Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me as always when we talk about lacrosse is Dairy Field AD and boys head coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you doing? Doing all right, Joe. We're uh, not to get us started on the weather talk already, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a tough practice today. We, we gutted it out out there, but man, was it cold and wet and i think uh you're here because there were no games to cover this afternoon uh yeah no early games at least in the area uh i mean and i'm i'm still a little uh i i think i might be a little traumatized from last wednesday or last tuesday when i um when i was in that monsoon uh it took i, I seriously the shoes i had on i couldn't wear again until friday of last week uh because of how wet they were um you know i will say though I, i'm really hoping um we better have some really nice freaking May flowers here uh, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> it's been a little more than showers in April. Here. Yes, I know. We're now, yeah, we're now into May and we're still getting them. So, uh, yeah, those those flowers better be nice. Of course, then then we got to worry about the the pollen, or at least I do. I, I did say to you. somebody though, I will take it more. We had that. You were here. We had that early season game with Winnicunit, and it was hot. <laughs> and we're gonna be like, if that happens, man, we're gonna be in trouble because we yeah. are not. We are getting spoiled right now. Yeah. All right, well, you can listen to the Ninth State Sports Show every Thursday morning during the lacrosse season by going to nh-highschoolsports.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify and Odyssey. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at NHHS Sports. You can send us feedback or questions there or by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Now let me take you a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The Ninth State Sports Show is proudly sponsored by Prolax Customs Lacrosse. Prolax Customs Lacrosse is the place to go in southern New Hampshire for professional stick stringing and custom dyed lacrosse heads. Prolax Customs has access to every major brand of lacrosse head and mesh, including ECD, String King, and even the new Armor Mesh. And goalies, if you're looking for an upgraded pocket or brand new stick, Prolax Customs is the place to go. You can find them online at prolaxcustoms.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook, or send an email to prolaxlacrosse at gmail.com. I'll tell you what, I think Joe is going to be busy this week with the weather we've had, man. There's going to be a lot of bagged out sticks. There's going to be guys <laughs> playing. If, if you're not playing on turf and you're playing in the grass and mud right now, he is going to have, I think he's going to have some orders. So you better get it in quick if you want it. I think there's going to be a backlog after this week. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's good and bad for him. Uh, <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we are in what we're in. I can't. Can you believe we're in May? I can't. It, it's honestly, it, it doesn't feel that long ago that we started preseason. We were doing two a days. And you're right. Like, I mean, all of a sudden I'm looking here. The, the playoffs are coming up soon. We're more than halfway through our schedule. Um, and a lot of teams, a lot of teams have a ton of games coming up because, you know, there were a bunch of schools. We were in vacation week last week. And, uh, you know, a lot of schools didn't play during vacation week. So now you're looking at three game weeks and potentially four game weeks with with uh you know rain out this week yeah, with yeah. That, especially with this week so i you're gonna have your uh you're gonna have your hands full trying to cover all these games in the next uh, you know weeks. so i went through um at the start of the year and i i planned out most of my the first three weeks um that I, was your had, that was your first mistake right there <laughs> trying to plan well but i did the, i was it was okay that there weren't too many changes to my schedule so la i think it was last friday or saturday night i spent a good hour and a half maybe two hours you know, going over the final four weeks, putting together something for this week that looked pretty good. And first thing Monday, it got thrown right out the window. <laughs> I don't know if I've been to – I think I've been to one game that I had initially planned on going to. 
uh, so far this week. So yeah, it's um, but I mean that's I, that's spring sports and and in New Hampshire and and we haven't you know we haven't had a year like this I feel like in a, in a little while where it's been consecutive days of of rain. Not with rain, we've been pretty lucky the last couple of years. We've had we've had some chilly springs, but uh, this one this one has been uh, consistently yeah each week there's been a few days we haven't had too many rainouts for games, but yeah there's been some weeks where man just tough practices. I always think of the one of the first springs that I was up here back working at the at the Milford Cabinet. I think I went two weeks without covering a game one spring because I, that was the year of those Mother's Day floods, I, I believe. Um, and it was always it was one of those where you'd have we had consecutive days of rain, and then you'd finally get a nice sunny day, and no one could play because none of the fields were were dried out. And then it would start raining. It would rain again for a couple of days. That was. That was miserable, um, you know, just every day coming in. All right, what am I going to go to today? Nothing, because everything's under a foot of water or, or all mud. And anyway. Uh <laughs> well, let's get into the poll. Let's get into the poll here before yes, we lose all the listeners uh, this week. Uh, well, I, well, it, w- let's let's <laughs> well, let's finish all of the nature talk now, because I want to I don't know about what you remember, but to, uh, as we're recording this, today is the 20th anniversary of the uh, the old man in the mountain of the mountain. Uh, falling uh, off the mountain. I vividly uh, remember that. Yeah. I remember uh, it was early morning. Was it a Saturday or it was Sunday? A Saturday. It, was it was a Saturday, Saturday morning. Yeah. And uh, I remember actually uh, turning on. It was my first. It was the first year I had moved to New Hampshire, and I had gone that winter. I was the ski coach here, and I'm like, oh, I got plenty of time. Like we'll see it. Like a couple times, I'm like, you know, here at Dairyfield, oh, you got to drive okay. the bus, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, the kids are trying to point it out to me while I'm on the bus. And I'm like, yes, I, I, I have no idea. Like, I can't. I'm not taking my eyes off the road in Franconia so right in there. January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we drove. We must have driven by it like three or four times. I'm like, whatever. I'll have, you know, I'll come back up and see it some it's other time. It's been there for millions of years. It's been be there fine. for millions of years. We're going to have plenty of time to see it. I turn on the news that morning, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, what are we going to do? Like, I remember thinking, like, what is New Hampshire going to do? You get all these I, road yeah, signs. Yeah. Like, this is it. Like, this is this is the end. And life has gone on. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> But I was, I was similar, disappointed. I never got to see it. Wow, I, 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 I the I, uh, uh, the Indian head is not quite the same. It is pretty cool. The yeah. one, the one oh, right yeah. there. That that's yeah. pretty cool. But it not not the same. Not the same. No, so, no, it's definitely uh, not the same. I was actually, uh, it was I was a, in between my junior and senior year of college. So I was still, and I had to stay because I was the sports editor of the 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 Pitt school paper um, going into senior year. So I had to stay that summer. So I was in Pittsburgh. Uh, when that happened and I the only I found out about it because I was out at a bar watching the Kentucky Derby ah. and after the Derby they come on with the news and it was like one of the top news stories was that and I and I well I I mean I, I had a few at that point <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit more you know, question whether or not it was real I, well not not so much that I just was very nostalgic uh, yeah. with all these you know all my people I knew from college who were just like what is wrong with you it's a it's a rock. It's a rock. Yeah. So that's. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know if I can consider. This is my 21st year here in New Hampshire. I, I, next year, I will reach the midpoint where I will have equaled the amount of time that I've lived in New Hampshire that I lived in upstate New York. And I'm not sure I can consider myself a true New Hampshire because I never, I never oh, got to see I the mean, old man of the I mountain. Mean, you didn't have a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, what are, it's not like. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Anyway, all right, yeah, we'll we'll get into the coaches' poll then. Sorry about that. <laughs> Story time's over. Um, yeah, so this was. Uh, I think I might have texted you Wednesday of last week. You know, after we did the show, I went out to to watch the Portsmouth Exeter game, and during that game, Portsmouth Portsmouth is making its comeback. 
Uh, and I think I texted you and I said, ah, there's going to be a shakeup in the poll this week. And then, you know, not only did that happen, you had um, Pinkerton drop a couple games. Exeter loses another game to BG. You, uh, Dairyfield goes and beats Westwood last Saturday. So there was a lot of action among the top, you know, five teams. Quality games. Really quality quality games, games, yeah. And it shook up, I think, probably the way that, uh, you know, that, that I, 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 maybe I don't want to say I was hoping for, but... I always like to see. You do like you know, a little bit of chaos after after you know three weeks of stagnation where everybody you know we had the same like top seven um, every week. I like to see a little bit of a mix up. So yeah, this week, well, you know, of course, again, BG's the number one team getting all the first place votes. Portsmouth at number two, if my memory serves, the first time uh, someone other than BG Pinkerton or Exeter has been number two in the poll. First time a Division two team has been number two. Uh, Dairyfield at three, matching the highest um, highest spot Dairyfield's ever been in, and then you got Exeter Pinkerton at five. But then the other thing to note with those those uh, four teams, separated by a total of six points. Yeah. So it's not like anybody ran away with with any of those spots. Um, everybody got. No one had a, a a poll that was exactly the same as anyone else. I think. Yeah, and I think because because you can make an argument that any one of those teams two through two through five could be could be ranked anywhere in there. I mean, I think, you know, I I, I think it would be naive not to recognize that both Exeter and Pinkerton are dealing with some injuries right now, and the fact that they've played a really difficult schedule. Yeah, right, right. You know, it's not like they're losing to bad teams. You know, the Pinkerton Pinkerton's played a you know they played a very close game with Exeter, lost by one. They they had chances in that game. They were up in that game. Um, and then they've played an extremely uh, ambitious out-of-state schedule, long medal and over Hingham, you know. So um, they're they're a very good team, and if they get healthy, you know, with Cole Frank facing off, you know, they they can be arguably, you know, ranked anywhere in there. Exeter again, we've talked about the injuries they've had. Um, you know, they, they when healthy, they are they are an extremely dangerous team and a very very good team. Um, and then you know we'll we'll talk about Portsmouth and Dairyfield even more with with the upcoming week. Uh, you know, with things there with with us playing Timberlane and Portsmouth next week, you know, we'll have even more to even more <laughs> to talk about in the poll uh, coming up. You know, and, and I will say I, I this top five was very similar to mine. I had Dairyfield and Portsmouth ahead of Exeter and Pinkerton. And I think my reasoning in that is when I'm doing these I don't I hope this isn't different than what I've said in the past, but I feel almost like what is it in the moment? Sure. You know, like right now this week I think Portsmouth and Dairyfield are ahead of Exeter and Pinkerton because of the injuries that you just mentioned. Does that always mean that that's going to be the case? No. Does that mean when all those teams get healthy, are they not better? You know, then maybe it flips. But right now, first week of sure. May, that's where we are. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's good sound reasoning for for the way that you know a lot of coaches are voting in the poll in the polls right now. And you know, you see that in in college football, you see it in basketball and other places like that, right? As teams move up and down in the poll throughout the year. Um, and like you said, it does make, it does make for some interesting talking, sure. uh, yeah. you know, some interesting debate. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the bottom half of the poll Bedford is at six this week. They pull out of that tie with Timberlane almost like they, I think Bedford might've been the closest thing to a lock on any spot. I think 10 out of the 11 polls might've had them at six um, or maybe it was nine out of 10, something like that. Timberlane at seven, Londonderry coming in at eight, uh, Merrimack moving up a spot to number nine, switching spots with St. Thomas, who goes to ten, which makes sense because they played each other last week and Merrimack won. So you said it set up an right. interesting yeah. nine ten, yeah. and they, yes. they just flipped, and with so they each flipped other spots. There. Yeah, 
and um, and I you know they 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 want that game was a one goal game they flipped sure, one spot in the yeah, poll kind of makes exactly, sense right? yeah um, uh, and then uh, then Wyndham Bo and Winnicott all getting also getting votes really interesting to see that it was we whittled down actually in both polls I think the girls poll might have had uh, thirteen or fourteen teams get votes as well a far cry from the twenty and twenty one we had. Uh, in the preseason, so we whittled down some teams here. Um, although I'm sure with with what goes on this week, we'll see a little some more changes. Um, but that is your uh, your top ten for the first week of May. Yeah, I you know just looking at that poll, I think um, you know the the respect that Bedford's getting right now is well earned. Um, you know they had a great vacation week. You know they they start that week they have a they have a good game with with Bishop Girton. Uh, a lot of praise coming out of that game in terms of, you know, uh, how well disciplined they were, how well their defense played, their goalies held up. I mean, to hold uh, a high-powered Bishop Girton team to 10 goals, pretty good. Um, you know, and then they turn around and in consecutive days put up over 15 points uh, against Hollis Brookline and Nashua North, you know, two teams that have, that have played pretty well this season and, and held them uh, to under eight goals each. So, uh, Bedford definitely a hot team. They were supposed to play today, uh, you know, in, in against um, Man U, and uh, you know that game's getting pushed. They got Londonderry at the end of the week this week, so that'll be kind of interesting to kind of see where those teams matched up. Uh, Coach Wiedenfeld had a nice nice article in the Union Leader today. I don't know if you got a chance to saw that, see that, but uh, you know, kind of had his choice of teams, chooses to go home and and uh, take on his alma mater. And, um, you know, he's got them going in the right direction. So I, that, that's a great game at the end of the week on Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think we'll, we'll circle back to that one. Uh, but I wanted to uh, – I did want to talk a little bit about, uh, well, what I thought were, were rule changes for this year. But a couple things I've noticed in terms of rules more this year. Um, but the first one that was actually a rule change that, that um, y- you wanted to mention uh, was the 12-goal the um, running time rule. Yeah. Um, which I have seen happen at a couple I think it's games been a too. Great, it's been, I think it's yeah. been a great change. I really do. I think it's it's helped teams to manage in blowouts where, you know, um, you you get to that point and and nobody wants to say like, if you if you don't have that where okay so for people that don't know basically in the second half if you reach twelve goals the clock runs and it used to be if it went back under you know if you scored twelve and then the other team gets it back to ten or eleven the clock stops and. It makes it really. It, it used to make it a lot more difficult for teams to play their bench and to play guys that you know maybe wouldn't start, and and encourage them to not keep their starters in or, or to have to put their starters back in and risk injury. And um, you know we've been in a few of those games this year where it's been it's been really nice to to be able to just have the clock run and not have to worry about oh do I need to put my guys back in again. Um, and it helps to it helps I think a lot of coaches to manage those situations a little bit better than in the past. I think you're seeing scores, um, you know, I don't know if sportsmanship is the right way, right word, but, um, you know, allow kids that wouldn't normally get time to play and, and to get meaningful minutes um, yet without having to, you know, really uh, rub it into the other team. Basically. I, I think it does help with sportsmanship because I think yeah. in a lot of those cases that you're like, you're, and that's that would be my reasoning too, is the number of times you'd see a game get to 12, maybe mid third quarter late second or mid third quarter late third quarter and then en mass the the team that's up puts a bunch of guys in and then the, the other, other team, team goes down it. and scores and then right. that's that's it right. we're back into stoppage time or if it yeah it, so then you run the risk there of running up the score because you have to you feel like you have to you put have your to guys back in yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, it's definitely been, I think, a, a good change. I think it was a, a change that was needed. Um, I'd always kind of felt that, that you know, because girls, it's 10 goals. Um, and I think that might even be at any point in the game because I've been in a couple games this year where it started in the first half. Um, or if that was just the ref saying, now nah, let's... That might be on the girls' side. I know on the boys' side. On the boys' side, it's, it's second half. Second yeah, half. yeah, yeah. But, either, yeah. but I always felt like 10 was not enough. Right. And 12 was too many on the boys so that they should have... Yeah. But this is... This is a good, a good compromise, yeah, I think, on the boys' side. Yeah. Yeah. The other rule that you talked about that's been in for a little while now that uh, that you, you've noticed a little bit more and have liked is the uh, if you're up by four or more at the end of the game, you don't have to keep you don't have to keep it in the box anymore. And the big win in that is, you know, if it's under two and you're up by four, there have been very few I, I've in my experience coaching, I've been doing this for over twenty years. I haven't seen too many comebacks where, you know, in in four in two minutes you're scoring more than four goals. And uh what it all all that usually does is just get guys injured. You're you're taking unnecessary hits, you've got other teams that's sending out beaten on the the hands of other guys. It allows you to win at the end of the game, uh gracious you know, gracefully and, and be able to save your guys from from getting beat on at the end of the game, in my opinion, un, unnecessarily. Well, I think it adds, um, you know, you mentioned it's tough to score four goal, more than four goals in, in two minutes. It actually came into play at the end of that Portsmouth-Exeter game last week. You know, Portsmouth got up 11-6 to six, uh, with about four minutes left. So it's a five-goal game. It, they get it to two. They're not going to have to keep it in. Instead, they kind of ran into some trouble. Exeter comes back, and at one point they did turn the ball over. After yeah. it got under four, they turned the ball over on one possession because they didn't keep it in. Yep. So it, it 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 you know it had an effect. You know you keep it at that five goals and you're and you're good you've to got go. so much more space to work with. Yep. Maybe they run out the clock. Um, but it just it and I, I that's the one that comes to mind the most. I feel like there have been maybe a couple other games I've been at that that it's been a factor. Um, but that was the most noticeable. And I I like that it gives you a line to say, all right, we got to get it to five. We, we get it to five. You know, because how many times you know you see maybe someone trying to just run out the clock. Uh, I think we, you know, I think we talked about that with, with Pinkerton Exeter when they played um, almost two weeks ago now. 4-3 game, Pinkerton's got the lead, and they were, you know, taking the air out of the ball a little bit. Whereas once it gets down into that two minutes, they, they can't do that, and it, you know, it's tougher to do that. It's or tougher to do they, that. If you, you get can, it, to, if you, you want to get really, it up to five, really work, right? you don't you have to work, worry about you it. Work yeah, for it. Yeah, but in that, you know, obviously a different scenario in that game where it was low scoring, Tougher to score, probably get up by five. So, but just that, yeah, I, I I feel like that changes things a little bit, adds a wrinkle of strategy to to the game. I like that. Sure, yeah. I mean, even even with uh, even with dominant faceoff guys, if you're up by five or more, you know, in under two minutes to go, it's it's pretty tough. It's it's pretty tough to come back. So I I, I like that rule. I think it's been a good rule change, uh, and I definitely like the uh, up by twelve, and, and then it never it never stops again. So, so we had some interesting uh, results, I think, in in Division One the last couple of days. Um, you mentioned, you know, that BG Bedford game. Bed, uh, BG gets a ten four win. You know, they they play that coming off that eleven ten overtime game against Staples. Um, you know, I know Coach Cameron has said, you know, he thought the team's response would be a little bit different in that game against Bedford. wasn't 
quite what he was looking for. He gave Bedford a lot of credit. He, he, he did. Told give, them yes, played, he did. He, he yeah. said that they played really, really yeah. well in that game. So they were really well coached. Um, and and actually, he was. He was fairly upset with his yeah. team. Didn't didn't play the way he had hoped that, yeah. that they would come out and play. Uh, they come out and get a fourteen-one win over. Responded a, well against that. <laughs> responded well, but also in a game against a team that's down a few guys. Yep. Was playing back to back after playing a you know a tough game against Portsmouth the night before. They'd had a couple more guys get banged up in that game. Who who did play? Um, but it just it looked like a team that was a little gassed in Exeter um, against a team that was a little bit fresher and and you know wanted to to prove something in BG. Um, they came out Saturday. BG did against the Archbishop Stepanak from uh, from White Plains, New York, uh, which a matchup, a game that I found fascinating as to how it came about. Um, you know the the Stepanak coach um, James Goldman told me after afterwards yeah you know I, I i i he runs he works with this uh club team in the summer they've sometimes played the tomahawks in the summer he thought hey i'll just give coach cameron a call and and see what happens and i guess coach cameron told him yeah we'll play you but you got to come here so they they came up to nashua stayed overnight uh and and, and gave bg a, a pretty good beating in the first half of that game uh but a lot of resilient, but a lo- little, lot of resilience yeah. from from the Cardinals. You know, uh, definitely made definitely made it a game in the in the second half. Kind of sure. felt like momentum been swung, just kind of ran too out late. of just, kind of, yeah, kind of ran late, out of yeah. time. It was yeah, it was a, a game that I think was maybe a little strange to watch if you've watched a lot of BG this year because they've been so good defensively for most of the year. Um, the second quarter, they kind of they they let go of the rope a little bit there. They were down, I think, ten three at halftime. It was 13-4 going into the fourth quarter, and they end up coming back, like you said, to, to make it 13-10. to Just got to figure out how to have more of that fourth quarter in those games than, you know, than the first – or the maybe the middle two quarters. And, you know, the uh, Coach uh, Goldman from, from Stepanak said, if we played another quarter, another five minutes, we don't win this game. Right. They were on enough of a run that they were going to come back and win. It just – yeah, like you said, they ran out of time. So kind of – Ironically, it, it feels like the two out-of-state games they've had, they've, it's been two, two they, completely they, different halves that they, sure, they, yeah, they've yes, played really well yeah, They played real well in the first half against Staples, real well late against um, Stepanak. And I, I feel, you know, watching them a little bit over the last week or so, they they almost it almost seems like there's a little bit of complacency that sets in just because I wonder if they, they – I mean – they're a good team. They're a great team. Um, does a little bit of that happen? Well, we can do this. We can come back like this. We can go on a run like this. And that's these are the games. This is the time of year you work those things out. You figure those things out and, and, and get them out of your system. I, I do. I wouldn't say complacency is the right word, but I think when you're playing teams like Staples and Archbishop where you don't play them on a regular basis and, you know, you can watch teams on film. I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about the Westwood game that we played until you get out on the field and you see the speed, you see the individual matchups, you get to feel the you know the size of the the opponent that you're going up against. It's hard to really know what you have to do to prepare mentally to play in those games. You know you can you can prepare to play the best that your team's going to play, but you don't exactly know how you're going to match up against those kids. And sometimes, like I think the opposite happened in the Staples game, right? BG came out had a great game plan. I think kind of shocked Staples a little bit, right? And and um, 
you know, and then the, the opposite occurs in, in, in the Archbishop game, you know, and I, without having known how they prepare for both of those games and what the game plan was and things like that, to me, that's more was, I, there's no way that those guys were, were not interested or not, you know, complacent about playing, you know, the 16th and 17th ranked teams nationally in the country. Um, I mean, if I'm coach Cameron and, and coach Solms coming out of that game and coach Marquis, um, you know, they, they were able to put up double digit points, on on yeah, two on of the two top teams, fifteen, yeah. you know, top twenty, whatever they are, teams in the nation. That's a that's a pretty <laughs> good that's a pretty good sign. I mean, sure. obviously they want to they want to uh, you know they want to give up a few less goals, but you know, very incredibly respective uh, re- respectable scores in both of those games against two powerhouses. You know, yeah, and they'll have some shots coming up to still yep. you know maybe uh, build up that resume, of course, with. St. John's Prep still on the schedule. BC High on the schedule. Both those a, teams. And then a little revenge game and at then, the end of the year <laughs> against Acton yeah, Boxborough. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing that I think we talked about a little bit already was just you know the, the the injuries that Pinkerton and Exeter have had to battle through over the first couple weeks here. Um, and you know what? The one question I I kind of wondered was, you know, because of those, we saw we already saw Exeter lose to to Portsmouth. Um, does do they those things pull them back a little bit maybe to the pack you know does it close the gap between a a Londonderry a Bedford a Merrimack obviously Pinkerton showed Monday that that they're still uh, you know a, a couple steps ahead of Merrimack 14-5 win in that one in a game that that early on Merrimack had opportunities to take to to really control that game um I had them in that first first quarter they come out of the quarter down 2 to 1 I had them with two shots in the entire court, one was the goal that they scored, the other was a heave at the at the buzzer that went the length of field wasn't on goal, but it would have counted if it was and had gone in that that Pinkerton scooped up um, at the end of the quarter. Outside of that, they had they had nine turnovers, nine turnovers, two shots. They're down two one. They survive. You know, Cole Frank winning faceoffs. Pinkerton, um, you know, had plenty of shots of its own. I had. Nolan Anderson, uh, Merrimack's goalie, had seven of his 14 saves in that first quarter. He played, I thought, uh, lights out for him. Um, you know, just tough when you're facing that that many shots uh, over the course of the game. It, yeah. it, they were right there. It just got away from them. I think Coach Miller is doing everything he can with that group. I mean, it's it's still an incredibly impressive start to the season for them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're playing real, really good defense, as you as you said, Nolan's playing really well in goal for them. They got to get more out of their offense. I mean, that's you know they. I mean, they had a great win over STA. They won four to three. You got to <laughs> you got to score on a regular basis. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to win a lot of games that way. But they're doing it right now, and their schedule is is uh, friendly enough that they they're gonna they're gonna rack up a lot of wins this season. Um, but but that's you know I think for them to get into that group into that. I mean, by a schedule, they could sneak into a top four, but to really be considered, I think, in the top six, they're going to need a little more offense when they play a Bedford or a Londonderry who also have really good defenses. Sure. I mean, that that's an intriguing match. Uh, they don't it, play. They don't already, play Bedford until yeah May twenty second. May twenty second. Yeah. So that that's a long ways off. But that that one will be, I think, will be big for seeding at that point. Looking looking at Merrimack's schedule. Um, you know, they do have to, they got to survive BG this Friday, but then they've got North, Man U, Salem. Uh, then they've got that game with Bedford and, and, and Exeter. So those will be two tough games there. And then they finish up with Nashua South. So, 
you know, definitely an opportunity for double-digit wins for Merrimack this year and, and a, possibly even a, a home first-round game. I would, yeah, this is a tough week to, to look at their, you know, looking at their schedule with Pinkerton and BG this week. Um, and I would hope, you know, I, I did see late in that game some frustration from the Merrimack guys. This is the first game that they've had like that this year, um, that Pinkerton loss. And I would hate to see that, and I, I don't think it will, and talking to Coach Miller, he doesn't seem to think that it will either, but I would hate to see that, that the, if this week derailed them in any sort of way. You know, obviously they they have very high expectations, um, but you don't win championships in May, in, in early May. You know, you, you maybe you take your lumps in this game, but it doesn't, it doesn't detract you, right. I think, from what your ultimate goal is. You know, they look like a very good team. Um, and I hopefully they realize that and that keeps them on track. Yeah, no, they've got an opportunity to do something that, uh, you know, I think we were discussing. I'm, I'm trying to remember the last year in, in Division Two, where where they – two years ago, yeah. I think uh, well, three, not necessarily last year, technically, but they, they had yeah. won, they, they won double-digit games in D2. I think actually it was 2019 would have been – Made a little bit yeah, of a deep yeah. run in, in the playoffs there. Um, you know, so it's great to see them. Uh, like I said, Coach Miller's doing a great job right now with that group. So I said – and. I asked you when we started this, do these injuries pull anyone back to the pack? And uh, again, we're, we're in the unfortunate spot of recording this as games are going on, but I'm going to give you an, an update of a game that everyone's going to know is done. Uh, end of third quarter, uh, Londonderry 5, Pinkerton 2. Okay. So I don't know if that tells I us would, anything or, or well uh that game that game is at pinkerton at pinkerton so they're on, on turf tur on their turf um i will tell you being out of practice today weather is an issue so <laughs> uh that can be part of it but i i know you know pinkerton's another team offensively right now with the injuries that they have um that that are, are is going to struggle a little bit but uh that's that's a heck of a job for coach Wiedenfeld if they can if they can hold on there and get that win yeah puts them right in the mix right, and, yeah. and it does bring some teams back to the pack you know, and then you you um, you know Pinkerton has a big out of state game this Saturday with Algonquin. Um, that one's at home. Exeter, actually on Thursday, goes down to to Lincoln Sudbury. Uh, that's a big challenge there. Not uh, uh, it's a it's a Lincoln Sudbury team that it's not as strong as it was a few years ago, but still one of the, you know still a Division One powerhouse down there. I think I saw they just lost to Reading the other day. It was the first time in, in a long time that, that they had been uh, okay. beaten by a team outside, you know, of like Hingham or, you know, um, St. John's Prep. But, um, you know, they're, they're still a really good team, and having to go down there is a, is a you know, a major undertaking for, for a group that's a little being banged up right now. Thursday night game, too, 6.30 start. Um, you know, so that's – usually those games are – are either if they're if they're midweek they're usually a little earlier I feel like uh, so that's that's a little bit of uh, a change up there um, you know the other interesting thing I feel like that we're we're seeing in Division One and and I know maybe we've maybe we've beaten this to you know it's it's the dead horse now um, but we've talked about the top six and then those bottom two playoff spots being wide open for everyone and. Honestly, that still looks like the case. I mean, you've got, um, you know, as of today, playoffs started today kind of thing. Right now, this second as we're recording this, your, your, your seven and eight seeds are Salem at number seven because they hold the tiebreaker with Nashua North, who's at number eight. Um, just uh, it, it's going to be an interesting – you're wondering how I figured that out, aren't you? 
Uh, I'm not because now the rate now that I'm doing it, my the ratings head, the, rate, the, the ratings, ratings are the, same. Is the key because the National North yes. has three wins, but Salem's and Salem, only got two, and Salem it's beat the whole them head to head. It's the yes. whole rating thing. Yep. I, I yep. yeah. See, that's I am a tiebreaker. That's why you go to his tiebreaker right Um I will. Is that a word? I just made that a word. You made a word. Okay. Give yourself a new job. Yeah. Great. <laughs> that's just what I was looking for. Um, but this week though, I will be starting at the end of the week. The um, the playoff picture uh, posts. We'll sit down. Um, it'll be up there on. I'm there have been years where you've been more accurate than the NHIA. You've had they, it done fat. You've had it done faster than the NHIA. They s- tried to screw me up uh, a few years ago. Um, the points, out of state points, had never been a problem. Um, and I was in, I was reading one of the tiebreaker or the rules there wrong, and it wasn't a problem until one year. And then I I looked at it and I was like, how is this possible? I emailed them, and uh, and I got an explanation. I always thought that you know because if you play an out of state game, yeah, the the School size is. I always assumed that it was what division that school is in in their state. You know, like if you were playing a, like you played Westwood the other day, right? I hope their school size is a Division <laughs> Two team. It is. It, it, okay. No, it is. It, right. I believe it is. Um, I it assumed wasn't an issue because, in twenty nineteen. Right. So I, I assumed that because they were they were a Division Two team in Mass, that meant they'd be a Division Two team in New Hampshire. Right. It's but actually based the on they what they would be. It what they would be in New Hampshire. Interesting. Not just in New Hampshire, but in your specific sport. So it's not like the right. the general classification. It's what's the cutoff in lacrosse. Gotcha. So there could be a small school in Massachusetts that's division, really good at well, lacrosse. The, that's, the yeah. one that, that's, that kind of led me to this question was Cohasset. Oh, Pink, yeah, Pinkerton yeah, yeah. would play them all that. the time. That's yeah. right. I remember that. They're, yeah. they're considered one of the you know top teams in Mass, yeah. and I believe they're Division three in Mass. Which would put you know in their enrollment puts them in Division Three in New Hampshire, so Pinkerton was losing a point when they would right. beat them. Um, so yeah, that 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 uh, that now that I've got that, I feel like I'm pretty locked in You're on locked these. In. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of mass games and Westwood and all that, uh, I that was I I don't think it's um, a stretch to say that was an instant classic on Saturday, uh, Derry Field eleven Westwood ten. I got to uh, tell you, Joel, I was going through my head before we were talking earlier, and I, it definitely is one of the top five games that I've played at Dairy Field on the turf here, and it might be one of the top five games I've ever been a part of, uh, period, in, in my coaching career. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, you know, yeah. Two teams that I, you know, I'd gotten to watch them on tape a little bit, thought we were fairly evenly matched. Like we said, we played them in 2019. I think you came down to that game. I it did. was a 6-5 game. I almost blew away. Didn't – that right. It was super windy that day. But that game didn't have the same juice, didn't have the same feel no, to it. No, um, You know, I, I, and then, um, you know, coming this season, you know, with them having the the poll committed to to BU, a couple other guys, we saw a lot of Lacksuchusetts bags get off the bus. I was like, uh-oh, what did we get ourselves <laughs> into? The, uh, and, the uh, I want to I wanna mention um, – I hope I'm saying this right. Donald Vernarian – Verner, Vernarian is the the LSM you're talking about number four. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, get. I I you know again we saw him on tape. Said yeah, he's pretty good. And then and then seeing him in person, I mean, he was setting our guys up like he knew exactly what he was doing. There were times where you know you thought he was beat, and it was like no, he let you get beat, and he knew exactly where he was going to throw the check. Um, you know, but honestly, the part that was more disruptive than anything else is the kid played offense all over the he field. He was on their man. I mean, up. he had four points. He had four yeah. points. He had three goals and assists. Uh, just incredible. And you know, there were times like 
I still don't know that we made the right decision. It worked out, but like they had a man up with with uh, under a minute to go, and I'm looking at my assistants being like, "Did we lock him off and just play five on four and and just you know roll?" And we didn't end up locking him off because we kind of had a feeling we knew what they were going to run. It ended up working out because they threw the ball out of bounds and and we were able to go down and and score. Um, but I still don't know if I made the right decision because that kid, <laughs> that kid was, uh, he was a terror on defense and on offense. He was, yeah, yeah. You'd mentioned him to me earlier in the week, and he was every bit adver- as advertised. That was it, yeah. That was the thing. Seeing him out there in their man up offense was eye opening um, because you don't. I mean, usually, how many times have you seen that around here? Like you get, you get a guy who maybe can bring the ball in, and he hangs around. You know, in the, in the the offensive end for a little while. I've but coached then against other off. teams where they've used poles on man up and other things like that, and, it, and at times it feels a little bit gimmicky. This was not a gimmick. Like no. this kid was the real deal. He he could handle the ball under pressure. He didn't turn it over. Um, I will I will give a shout out. I thought I thought my LSM Max Max Fowler. I I actually thought he outplayed him on faceoffs and wings. Uh, even and the Westwood coach even came up after and said, "Man, your your LSM's fast." Like, and and Max did a really good job there, but. I mean, what what Don he did? He played. He played close defense. He played LSM. He played offense. He was man up. Um, it just made for an awesome game. Like you know, and um, you know, and obviously the way we won, winning with two seconds left. Like um, you know, we talked earlier. It wasn't like you know we called a timeout and drew something up. The kids, the kids improvised and they 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 had built chemistry with each other and and uh, you know made a play when they needed to make a play. Yeah, I guess this is a good point to to maybe tease. Um not next week's episode of the season, but the following <laughs> week. I, I think that's going to be a fun one because, you know, we were, you, you mentioned talking earlier, um, was up here on Wednesday doing um, interviews with you guys for that and, and got the breakdown from a couple of those guys on what happened on the, la- on the final goal. I think will be a fun thing to, uh, to watch. Um, you know, if you haven't watched much of the season yet, you know, check out that episode because I think that's going to be, it's going to be worth it um, just to hear what they have to say about that situation. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm going. I want it to be a surprise to you, so I'm not. I'm not even going to. I'm not going to. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. But you know, taking what what I would take away from that is I would encourage uh, more, you know, um, more teams in New Hampshire to look for out of state games. Uh, the week before, you know, uh, Portsmouth playing Newburyport. That's become sure, a great yeah. rivalry there. A little Clipper Cup. Um, you know, that was a really good game this year. Um, and at the D1 level, we've had a lot of really good games already and more to come. Um, so, again, I think it's a great thing. There was a nice article in uh, Inside Lacrosse. Kyle Devitt wrote a uh, – or, I'm sorry, New England Lacks Journal uh, recently about, you know, just sort of what happens when a Massachusetts powerhouse comes up and plays a, a New Hampshire powerhouse. Um, and so just the more we can get uh, New Hampshire lacrosse recognized, the better. Um, it was really – Really neat, and um, you know we we've actually I I think New Hampshire's done fairly well out of state the last few years. I, I it's too bad you know we should have thought of it earlier. I don't have a tally off the top of my head, but I feel like well, we've been pretty successful. We'll go on that. We'll do that for next week. I right. uh, this this year might be ding, this year is tipping the, the other way, bit. but but <laughs> in the last few, few in general but the trend has been very good. I think, for I think we do part of, of part of that this year though is that you know some of the teams that schedule these games are stepping up. And, and taking on maybe some that, tougher I don't know competition. If they were banking on injuries either. Oh, uh, that too. That's that's fair too. Um, so we, um, you mentioned that game. 
There's been some up. other good D two games. There have been, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't know why I just drew a blank on that. Um, <laughs> well, the one, so the one that I found a little frustrating. You know, you mentioned it to me before we started here. I was gonna, I you know, I talked about my plans for the week, right? And I had planned on going out to Timberlane on on Tuesday. Had a big game against St. Thomas. Haven't gotten to see Timberlane yet this year. I saw St. Thomas, you know, once. Really looking forward to that one. And then, of course. Weather happens, and and thank thankfully I emailed Ken Blaska yesterday, and I said, "Hey, just want to make sure your game is still on." He says, "It is. It's in Dover." Like, good. Have fun. (laughs) I won't be able to make it. Ken texts us all early in the day, so we're playing anywhere, anytime. Bring it on. We we don't care. We're going. We're playing this game. I'm not surprised to hear that. Not surprised at all. Um, You know, really good effort from them. You know, having to make that switch. You go on the road. You hold a high-powered offense in in St. Thomas to four goals. Brady Marston playing as well as any goalie out there right now. Um, you I know, I think they were they were down at halftime too, weren't they? It was like two one. It St. Thomas at halftime, I think. It, both team both teams have very good defenses, but you know to yeah, but I mean to to hold to hold uh you know that that St. Thomas offense to four goals total in the game is pretty impressive. And that's been, you know, they, they've had a couple of tests now here, you know, at, over the last couple of weeks. I think we might have talked about last week. They had that game against Oyster River. They were down by a goal at halftime, came back in the second half. Um, obviously, they didn't pull it out, but they were they had a good second half against Portsmouth, uh, I believe, in that game. They had a little bit of a test with yeah, Hollis Brookline. Yeah, Hollis yeah. Brookline, they were, they was in that game before they before they opened things up and, and, sure. and you know, got a pretty good win against them there so they've definitely been battle tested we talked early in the season about coach ken and, and scheduling his uh preseason scrimmages and really testing his guys and i think it's paying off yeah they got a, a game coming up saturday morning with hanover um in plastow i can't imagine that's a fun trip going from hanover to to that lower corner of what New time Hampshire. what time that game 11 30 saturday so you're leaving you're probably leaving hanover minimum eight o'clock yeah, yeah. or earlier yeah yeah that's gonna be that's a tough. That's a tough ass there. And then they they've got a uh, a tough back to back next week coming here to play Dairyfield on Tuesday and then turn around and play in Dover at home on Wednesday. Um, and I feel like that's been I don't know if they're necessarily a rival, but but it feels like that they've played each other. You know, despite moving up and down between Division One and Division Two, two really conflicting styles there too. I'm 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 going to tell Ken right now. This isn't a secret. We are not playing zone on on Tuesday. <laughs> And I would venture to guess he's going to see his own on Wednesday. So it, that's an interesting preparation week right there for him. Yeah. And, and yeah, just looking at the schedule overall coming up um, before we get into a, a ton more of the games, um, you know, between now and, and when we do this again next week, you know, we mentioned the, the, the Dairyfield Timberlane game. Um, you know, Portsmouth has a couple big games. They, they've kind of hit their gauntlet, if you will, with starting with that Exeter game. That one, Oyster River, um, they beat 10-4 uh, earlier this week. They play St. Thomas on Thursday, turn around and play Hollis Brookline Friday, go to Sauhegan next Monday, um, you know, have Kennett, and then play Dairyfield back-to-back next week, Wednesday, Thursday. And then they follow that up with a trip to Londonderry. So that's – this. It's a lot of games. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, you know, it's a manageable schedule in terms of, like, you know, teams and when they're playing and who they're playing, but – they got to stay healthy during that time. When you play that many games that quickly, that's the risk that you run is, you know, guys get tired even when you are the superior team and you've got superior uh, firepower and weapons. You know, you just – you never know, you know, and you start you start stacking those games up like that. But they can handle it. They, they've got the team to do it, um, you know, but that, that'll be a good test for them. I think the playoffs. that one tomorrow, par- tomorrow night at St. Thomas, uh, 6 o'clock start, 
that's going to be, or excuse me, Thursday night, uh, six o'clock. Um, that's a one to keep an eye on for sure. Just kind of give you, give us a, 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 a you know, because St. Thomas has had a couple of these games now too against against the top teams where they've been close but haven't been able to to get over that hump. Um, so that should be um, a little bit more telling of of where everybody is or where those two teams are. You know, some other other games in D2 that, uh, you know, are, are starting to help shape things up a little bit. Um, you know, you, you caught, I think you caught the tail end of it yesterday. The uh, Sauhegan getting a great win over Hollis Brookline. Yeah, an impressive, the, a really impressive quarter. win. You know, we talked about a Hollis that team one. that's been putting up big numbers. Even in, even in the games they've lost, they've been, they've been scoring double-digit points. Um, Sauhegan holds on to, to six goals, 9-6 win for Sauhegan. Really good win for them. Um, you know, it's a team that, as you said, has has had some guys, some athletes that have come out to the team, you know, to to play this year and are are starting to play some good lacrosse. Yeah, the one that that, that kind of stands out to me, looking at the looking at the the scores from last night or from Tuesday night at, at Hollis, um, you know, and having seen them, I think at different stages. I saw them a couple of weeks ago when they when when Dairyfield played there, um, saw them in the preseason scrimmage Merrimack. Um, and the guy that's kind of, um, you know, he, he had a couple goals against Hollis was uh, Maddox McGrath, a guy who came out first time, um, you know, playing lacrosse is, is a tremendous athlete, football and basketball. Um, you know, he looks like he's kind of the, the rough edges have maybe come off a little bit. He's maybe a little bit more fluid of a, of a guy, of a player now. Um, you know, and the other one that, that stood out, you know, in the fourth quarter of that game to me um, their goalie, I'm blanking on his first name. Uh, I think it's John John Dupuy. Um, you know, made a couple of nice saves late in that game as Hollis is trying to come back, um, including in a situation the last two minutes where it's you know it's a nine six game. Had to keep it. And in. They, well, <laughs> <laughs> or they actually, no, they so didn't. Have didn't to keep, keep it in. Cowhegan didn't but, keep it in. But yeah. Hollis had trouble really setting anything up and 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 trying to score in that situation. I'll tell you, Sauhegan, they, they have athletes, they're big, they're physical. Um, you know, a, as those kids get more comfortable playing together, it's, again, a team that's, you know, you may not want to see them in a quarterfinal matchup. No, that's that's for sure. Um, you know, in the other game I got to see, Division Two game I got to see, was that Oyster River Goffstown game last Friday that went to double overtime uh, in a game that, that if I – I didn't crunch all the numbers, but if I had, I, I probably wouldn't understand how it was a 7-6 game because I feel like Oyster River had 75% of the possession, took a lot more shots, uh, just couldn't really get things going, and it took... Credit to Sean you know, Cody and, and, and Nett for Goffstown and, and, you know, for being able to withstand the storm like that. And actually, I think you told me Goffstown was up uh they were up. They were up well. 2-1 in the first half. Um, it ended up being 3-2 Oyster River, and Goffstown came right back, took a 5-3 lead in the third quarter. Uh, it, you know, it took Oyster River coming back. They were actually up 6-5, and, uh, and Goffstown scored a buzzer beater. Um, I, I believe, uh, I want to say Eric Hansen. Ethan. Ethan Hansen. My apologies. Um, Ethan Hansen had the, the, uh, the tying goal there right at the buzzer. Um, to send it to overtime they had a chance to win in overtime but a shot hit the crossbar and then they they had trouble getting the ball back after that um but alex moody with a couple of goals for oyster river in that game um you know they've got you know he's a freshman we talked about i think a couple weeks ago ty calendar he's had a really good season for them another freshman and then Uh, you can't forget about sam gilman no he's been kind of the guy steering everything you know a lot of times when they've got possession he's the one that's you know, he's the one with the ball 
kind of uh, quarterbacking the whole thing. And then Finn, Mason, Finn Mason's been playing really well. I had had I oh got I can't I, I want to say 18 saves yesterday against Portsmouth. Um, very you know very strong in net for them as well right now. So that was a huge game in terms of in terms of seeding. I think as we get along in the season, it's still early. Goffstown's only played five games. Oyster Rivers played a little bit more there, but I think two teams kind of uh, looking to to you know maybe get into that top eight, top six discussion in, in Division Two there, and that, that's a big one for, for Oyster River to come away with. Yeah, it puts them right on that, right on the cusp of that that top yeah. eight, I believe. Possibly getting yeah. a home, yeah. home playoff game. And that's, that's, you know, that's what they said after the game, that that was their goal, you know, to try to get a, a playoff game at home uh, this year. Well, um, I don't know, any other th- – oh, we can't, we can't move on from Division Two without talking about um, a score that kind of opened both our eyes here was um, Conval getting an, an 8-6 win over Wyndham last week. Um, you know, and, and, and the Cougars had been heading in the right direction. You know, they dropped their first, I think, two games or three games to start the year, put together back to, uh, back-to-back wins. Uh, and then that game um, just kind of uh, really eye-opening, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned him last week. Their their goaltender Nick Squatrito, um, you know, ha- has had some tremendous games the last the last couple of weeks. I know he was up uh, for player of the player of the week. Uh, I'm blanking on the newspaper out there. The uh, Keen Sentinel. Keen Sentinel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's been nominated for uh, you know and, and very well deserving because of it. Um, you know, I I want to say over forty something saves. And, In the last, and I think he had twenty six against Wyndham. If I'm yeah, one of those games last week, he was. Both games, I think he was over twenty. One of them, I think he had twenty six. I think it was against Wyndham. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they're they're playing really well. Um, you know, and again, hard to you know, it's vacation week, hard to tell. You know, what 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 teams have you know players and different things like that. But still, regardless of who was there, that's a that's a great win for for Conval. They're they're rolling. They've got what at least was it three in a row. I think that's three in a row. For three them. in a row yeah. for them. Yep. And they got Merrimack Valley on on Friday. So that. Again, you talk about seeding. That's a big game for both there, Merrimack Valley and and Conval. Um, Merrimack Valley, I think, sitting at uh, t- uh, three and two right now. Yep. So, um, and I, you know, don't know if Merrimack Valley ended up playing at Hanover today. Hanover does have turf. But, uh, you know what? You know, I think they. A, I think that'll I be a score interesting. Yeah, to come I think. In. Yeah. I think that they did. I saw something from that uh, earlier on uh, on social media. Um, well, and then Division Three. Vacation week, there yeah. wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot going on. One, but, I think um, one game took place uh, during vacation week. Um, you know, and then and then you look at it, and some teams got out to play on Monday, but I don't think anybody played Tuesday or Wednesday. So now we're pushing more back games back, like you said. You know, we piling them up. Um, you know, but we did the, have we did have a big weeks. we did have a big one happen on on Monday. We had we had Pelham uh, taking down Cole Brown. Cole Brown, a team that you know dropping down from D two, playing really well, one of the top teams right now. Yeah, in Division three, Pelham reestablishing. It's after a little hiccup against Guilford, uh, comes out with an eight three win. You know, uh, a great win for Coach Johnson and, and the boys there, the the Pythons getting getting a win there. They got Bo coming up on Friday. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of know where where Pelham stacks up after this week. Yeah, and in an interesting stretch uh, for Bo too with that game against Pelham. They were supposed to play Hopkinton on Wednesday. I can't tell based on their schedule online because it now has them playing Hopkinton three times: <laughs> uh, one on Thursday, one on Saturday, and then one on the tenth. Um, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll have to check in have on to get that, that one. Yeah, up, uh... we'll have to figure that out, but. Um, 
you know, those those couple of games there, whenever, you know, two games against Hopkinton and then one at Pelham um, somewhere in there. And then, you know, then they've got a Lebanon team that, um, you know, is, is struggling but has a great player in, in, in um, uh, Otto Bourne. Like, do I have that right? Yes, from I remember. I remember we haven't talked about him this year, yeah. but I remember him from last year. Yeah, yeah, he's had a, a I guess a great year. Just their numbers are are you know kind of low this year. They haven't had as much help around him, um, but still you know a guy that you got to you got to account for and and could cause some teams some trouble. So an interesting stretch there uh, there for Bo. Um, did a quick look through social media right now. I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a lot of scores come in today, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so I think now that, now that vacation week's over, you know, we'll, we'll start to, we're going to get some of these, these game, good games going here. Um, you know, it's too bad today. You, you said that, that Hopkinson, Hopkinson and Bo were officially rained out today, right? That's yeah. As far as you can tell. Yes. I don't know when it was made up, when it's going to be made up, but, (laughs) um, you know, we had mentioned it the week before too. Um, you know, the team that's really impressing me in division three right now is coach Knight and, and the Campbell Cougars there. Um, again, not putting up huge numbers offensively, but you know we knew that face-off and goaltending were going to be strong for them. Um, you know they've got a game on Friday against Co Brown, so you're gonna you're gonna see you know Pel- Pelham against Bo and and Campbell and Co Brown. That's you know if you're looking for some Friday night uh, Friday night lights and, and Division three action here, th- those well, are two great games to catch. I think they might be actually. Friday, right, they're Friday at four. They're at four o'clock, uh, but like you know, you know what I'm saying, Joe. I do know what you're saying. Just uh, not. I don't want to get anybody hopes up. Anybody's up. We're we're not renting lights for you. That's <laughs> not in the in the budget. Um. Uh, speaking of scores coming in, I got one. Uh, we can actually uh, All right. give a final here. Uh, in double overtime, Pinkerton seven, Londonderry six. Oh wow! Yeah. Coach, uh, Coach Gaudreau, getting it, getting it done there, having his boys fight and get through there, and heart, heartbreaker for Coach Whedon. Oh yeah, but shows that shows that they're on the right track though, that they're they're doing the right things, and and you know that's that's a good sign for them. Yes, yeah, so what do we say? Five, it was five two Londonderry going into the fourth, um, so Pinkerton comes back with a a big fourth quarter to win that game, you know, and that's I feel like that's kind of been the team that they've been at times this year, you know, just they they fall into that stretch of of just struggling on you know on one end or the other and then they're able to figure it out and and you know turn it around again they're going to be a different team when they're if if and when they get completely healthy but that that is a big win for them in terms of of playoff seeding because they they have such a strong out-of-state schedule and the potential for for more losses there that one that one kind of helps them to make sure that they don't fall you know potentially too far in the standings going to the playoffs, you know, not not wanting to have to play one of the one of the big boys in a, in a quarterfinal game, yeah, you know that that could keep them. I, I would I would hope it would start to keep them in the in the discussion for a top four seed. Well, before we wrap up, there was one thing I wanted to bring up because I know you and I. I don't remember if we've done it on the podcast, but I know we've talked about uh, the Premier Lacrosse League. Um, you big know, announcement today. Big announcement um, news that. Um, well, I know the one thing that you you've you've not necessarily been a fan of is the the almost circus like rotation of how everybody goes from one location to another you know that there's no there's no nothing here that says you know i'm from new england what why team do, do i, I want to be why do i want to be a fan of the chrome why do i care about the chrome right other yeah. than you know for a couple of years i might know some of the players but like players come and go you know like when you when when you have a little bit of pride behind the, the city or, or the region that it's in 
uh, it makes it a little bit easier. I think it just makes it a little bit easier to follow and also a little bit easier to keep track of who's on that team. You're, you're a little more invested in who's on sure, that team. Sure, Right? So I think um, I think they said they were going to announce it, uh, announce some locations this season, and probably 24, maybe 25 would, would officially kick yeah, off yeah. Um, when, when those teams were playing. I, I got to imagine that maybe it won't be the Boston Cannons, but I could see a New England Cannons lacrosse club. Maybe make them more back. regional, yeah. like maybe a mid-Atlantic yep. team, a, a, yep. sa- a southern team. Yeah. yeah, I think they'd be smart if they did, they did that. Um, you know, I mean, we know that, you know, the Patriots are out of Boston, you know, or Foxborough, but like, you know, you, you, you bring in a, a larger regional drawing when you call them the New England Patriots. So I, I could see them doing the same thing with the Cannons. Um you know that I, I think the PLL has been pretty smart about the way that they they've taken their time to grow. They've gotten good financial backing. They've been on NBC. They've had um, you know they, they've had a national market. So it'll be interesting to see what what cities they pick too. Oh um, sure, yeah, where they yeah. where they think they can draw crowds. You know some of the traditional lacrosse markets have not been the best. You know the the MLL tried that. You know teams in upstate New York and Long Island and. Um, you know, in, in traditional hotbed Baltimore, you know, they, I, I would say some of the more niche markets have actually, you know, Denver always drew a, a huge lacrosse crowd during the summer. I think sometimes the more traditional markets, you know, you get, you get so burned out by college that, you know, in our, in our, in our night and not to get back on weather, but our, our nice weather season, <laughs> uh, you know, is, is so short here. Sometimes you don't want to just spend you don't want to spend your Saturday or Sunday afternoon watching a lacrosse game in, in June or July, you know, yeah. you want to go to the beach or do something. So. Sure. That'll be really interesting to me to see what cities they end up picking. Uh, yeah, it's kind of you mentioned the college thing, too. And I mean, you think about it, too. You know, how, how college football is another one that comes to mind where you have that, you know, that the SEC is is probably, you know, is the dominant conference, I think, in terms of, you know, if, if for a reason, you know, the, the college football is is in some cases bigger than the NFL in parts of the South, you know, and they're up until more recently. I mean, you haven't had I mean, yeah, you've had team in atlanta new orleans you know now tennessee um you but you don't have some other places that you would think could support it but probably wouldn't because they're college towns yep so you know i i think that that'll be that'll be a storyline to watch to see where and part of it'll be you know i think they're gonna have to still choose they've done a better job of making it so that players can have a career playing in the mll or in the pll but i think um you know, you're still going to have to choose wisely cities that uh, might be an attractive area for players to want to play in, too, and, sure. ha- and maybe yeah. have that second yeah. job still. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, any other any other thoughts on uh, any level of lacrosse before we uh, we wrap up for this week? Uh, I just, I, I'm still really excited about some of the, the out-of-state games that are coming up, and, and um, we've got some good, uh, like we talked about in, in all three divisions, we've got some good matchups later this week uh, that are going to help shape the standings, and... Um, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to brighter <laughs> brighter days out on the field well, soon. Hopefully this weekend. Ho- fingers yeah. crossed. All right. Well, he is uh, Dairy Field Boys Lacrosse Coach and AD Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for doing this. We'll see you next week. I am Joe Marcellina. Have a good week.